We're going to begin with a different chant to usual this morning. It's page 14 of the Sutra book, if you have it. Ehe Kosu Hotsugan Mon. Ehe Kosu Hotsugan Mon. We bow with all beings from this life on through our countless lives. To hear the true Dharma, that upon hearing it no doubt will arise in us, nor will we lack in faith that upon meeting it we shall renounce worldly affairs and maintain the Buddha Dharma, and that in doing so the great earth and all living beings together will attain the Buddha way. Although our past evil karma has greatly accumulated, indeed being the cause and conditions of obstacles in practicing the way, may all Buddhas and ancestors who have attained the Buddha way be compassionate to us and free us from karmic effects, allowing us to practice the way without hindrance. May they share with us their compassion, which fills the boundless universe with the virtue of their enlightenment and teachings. Buddhas and ancestors of old were as we. We in the future shall be Buddhas and ancestors. Revering Buddhas and ancestors, we are one Buddha and one ancestor. Awakening Bodhi mind, we are one Bodhi mind because they extend their compassion to us freely and without limit. We are able to attain Buddhahood and let go of the attainment. Therefore the Chan Master Lung Ya said, Those in whom past lives were not enlightened will now be enlightened. In this life save the body which is the fruit of many lives. Before Buddhas were enlightened, they were the same as we. Enlightened people of today are exactly as those of old. Quietly explore the farthest reaches of these causes and conditions, as this practice is the exact transmission of a verified Buddha. Repenting in this way, one never fails to receive the profound help from all Buddhas and ancestors. By revealing and disclosing our lack of faith and practice before the Buddha, we melt away the root of transgressions by the power of our repentance. This is the pure and simple colour of true practice, of the true mind of faith, of the true body of faith. So welcome to everyone in the Zendo and those on Zoom, some from the United States and from different parts of Australia. Last week, we spoke a little about the dedication that we do after service in the mornings and in the evenings, where we dedicate the merit to some of our main ancestors. And last week, I spoke a little about our first woman ancestor, Mahapajapati, and our first ancestor in China, Bodhidharma. And today, I want to speak a little about our first ancestor in Japan, Ehei Dogen, and our first ancestor in the West, Shogaku Shunru Suzuki Roshi. 
And the chant that we just did, Ehe Kosu Hotsugan Mon, was composed by Dogen Zenji. And it's called Dogen Zenji's Practice of Inspirational Vow. And we'll now include that uh, during Zazen Kai and during Rohatsu Seshin as our main chant that we do before Dharma Talks. So just a little about Dogen Zenji. He was born in 1200 AD in Japan, in Kyoto. His father passed away when he was three and his mother when he was eight. And we are fortunate that he was able to uh, take those very painful experiences and let them inform him about impermanence and inspire him to want to take up Zen practice when he was in a position that he uh, he could have become um, someone quite esteemed and important in the culture at the time. But he chose to ordain as a monk uh, in the Tendai school. And uh, he found that he didn't find the practice at that time very satisfactory to his core questions. Questions such as, if we are Buddha nature, why do we seek enlightenment? And he had heard that practice in China was more authentic to the original teaching, more rooted in wanting to examine the nature of reality and the the nature of mind. And so he travelled to China, where he met his teacher, Rujing, and studied with him and received Dharma transmission in 1227. And then he travelled back to Japan and established Eheiji Monastery, which is still an important monastery in Japan. And he began writing, and uh, his first piece of writing, Zazengi, Instructions for Zazen, is really the foundation of the forms that we use in, in our Zen practice today. Dogen is the founder of Soto Zen, and uh, we follow much of his instructions is kind of beautiful that the way we the way we sit our mudra uh, many of the sort of simple things we do sitting upright come from his instructions he went on to write maybe was it a hundred nearly a hundred essays which we call fascicles and they're um, compiled into a book called the Shobogenzo, and this is one of many, I mean, there must be hundreds of books with different, some with all of his writings and some with selected writings, and this this um, compilation here, Moon in a Drew, Dew Drop, uh, compiled by uh, Kaz Tanahashi with some translations by Robert Aitken, um, also the Diamond Sangha, So I will read just a little bit. 
This is from Zazengi, Rules for Zazen. Set aside all involvements and let the myriad things rest. Zazen is not thinking of good, not thinking of bad. It is not conscious endeavour. It is not introspection. Do not desire to become a Buddha. Let sitting or lying down drop away. Be moderate in eating and drinking. Be mindful of the passing of time. And engage yourself in Zazen as though, as though saving your head from fire. Be mindful of the passing of time and engage yourself in Zazen as though saving your head from fire. If our head was on fire, we would not be distracted <laughs> by anything. <laughs> so uh, while we sit, we can give our full attention to whatever is arising, whether it's sounds or if we have a particular practice where we're noticing the breath, just bring our attention back to the breath or to our body as though our head were on fire in the sense of not, not sort of franticness but full attention, full attention rather than uh, what is quite common, I think, for our minds is for our minds to be sort of a little vague. We're, we're drifting between multiple different thoughts and not really giving any full attention to any particular thing and, and we're kind of blurring between ruminating or imaginings and experiences that are happening in the here and now and it, it kind of gets a blurry. It doesn't have a lot of focus a lot of the time, so particularly when we're in something like all-day sitting, Zazenkai. It's a real opportunity to try and have a certain sharpness of mind. This Zendo is wonderful because it has lots of cracking sounds. We can just notice them. The whole building is kind of having a conversation with the sun. We can listen to it. <laughs> Dogen continues, Zazen is not learning to do concentration. It is the Dharma gate of great ease and joy. It is undefiled practice realization. Sit solidly in samadhi and think not thinking. How do you think not thinking? Non-thinking. This is the art of Zazen. This particular short paragraph is quoted many times in many Zen centers around the world. Sit solidly in samadhi and think not thinking.
How do you think not thinking? Non-thinking. This is the art of Zazen. So each of us must find our own way to this non-thinking. Nobody can explain it to us. We need to experience it just through our practice. After a while, we can rest in a a non-thinking. It's not anti-thinking. It's not against thinking. So we have to find it for ourselves. Another one of Dogen's fascicles, maybe his most well-known, is the Genjo Koan, actualizing the fundamental point. And it begins like this. As all things are Buddha Dharma, there is delusion and realization, practice, birth and death, and there are Buddhas and sentient beings. As the myriad things are without an abiding self, there is no delusion, no realization, no Buddha, no sentient being, no birth and death. The Buddha way is basically leaping clear of the many and the one. Thus there are birth and death, delusion and realization, sentient beings and Buddhas. The first part here, all things are Buddha Dharma and giving various pairings. We can say all things are Buddha Dharma, good and bad, big and small, past and future, pleasant and unpleasant, All things are Buddha Dharma. This is an expression of a real inclusion of diversity, inclusion of uniqueness. One of our central teachings is to have uh, respect and care for everything without exception, all appearances without exception. It doesn't say most things, it says all things. And then in the next sentence, as so often happens with Dogen's writing, it moves across to, you could say, the other side. As the myriad things are without an abiding self, there is no realization, no Buddhas. No birth, no death. All the pairings we just described, there are none of them. There is no good and bad. There is no big and small. And then in this third short paragraph, I think one of the teachings I love the most, the Buddha way is basically leaping clear 
of the many and the one. So leaping clear of all the abundance and leaping clear of the emptiness, of emptiness. Leaping clear of the many and the one. And when we can leap clear of the many and the one, we are then free to be able to use words. We're able to engage with all the appearances without heavy weight, without any solid heaviness to it. And he words it this way, the Buddha way is basically leaping clear of the many and the one. Thus there are birth and death, delusion and realisation, sentient beings and Buddhas. It's a very subtle teaching to be able to hold uh, multiple truths at once, uh, a little like Linji's four propositions, which I haven't looked up recently, but you could say in the most simplest form, uh, it is, it isn't, it both is and isn't, it neither is nor isn't. When we can hold these multiple truths at once, we can engage with the world with a lightness, a lightness of spirit. And one last thing that I'd like to quote is uh, from the fascicle called Twining Vines, which is how we got to name our Zen Center. Twining Vines Zen Center comes from this fascicle. And just one sentence in this fascicle I'd like to mention. Those who notice that inheriting dharma is twining vines are rare. Those who notice that inheriting twining vines are rare. Inheriting dharma is twining vines are rare. Twining vines are all the different relationships, student-teacher, student-sangha, zendo and the environment, student and teachings. All those relationships are twining vines. And that is the true dharma is twining vines. Or you can even say true dharma is the relationship is conversation, is engagement with the myriad things. Those who notice that inheriting dharma is twining vines are rare. Maybe rare just because we're very fortunate to be able to engage with the dharma. Not rare because we're better, but because we're fortunate, because we've received so many gifts in this life, in past lives. So that's just a little about Dogen. So when we do our chanting, our dedication, Maybe some of that will come to mind and enrich the dedication when, when you're hearing it. 
So uh, a little about Suzuki Roshi, uh, founder of Soto Zen in the West. And we have now established a Soto Zen temple here in Australia, in Canberra. I also do want to mention that as, although we are a Soto Zen center, we're also uh, affiliated too with the Diamond Sangha, which is a Soto sort of Rinzai mix. It is a Soto lineage. And we incorporate some of Robert Aiken's style here as well in the koan work that we do. So Suzuki Roshi was born in 1904 and he died in 1971, quite young. Um, he established San Francisco Zen Center and Tassajara Zen Monastery. And where I trained for 10 years, Santa Cruz Zen Center is a close, close affiliate also. Uh, he wrote Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, probably one of, if not the most well-read, most frequently read Zen book in the West. He began his training at the age of 12, leaving home to join a monastery. And at the age of 13, he ordained as a monk. He studied at Eheji, the temple established by Dogen, and at Sojiji, the temple established by Keizan, who we've spoken about a few weeks back. And uh, then he came to San Francisco. Uh, his teacher gave him uh, a nickname, Crooked Cucumber, and that name is kind of stuck in many ways. There's a book called Crooked, Crooked Cucumber about his life by David Chadwick. And uh, there's also a website called Cute or Cute, Cute? about, about uh, Suzuki Roshi's life and many of his talks and so on. He received full transmission at the age of 22. In 1959, he, he came to America. When he, when he came to the United States, it was at the time of the Beats and the hippie movement. Um, so he came, when you think about the kind of world he trained in and then what he stepped into, such a different world, and yet he navigated it with this incredible elegance and simplicity and obviously great success because here we are with Soto Zen flourishing, um, not just in the United States but now in many parts of the world. And um, there's this book called Street Zen about Isan Dorsey, Dorsey, who was a Zen teacher in this lineage, and he was a very unusual man. Uh, on the back, it describes him as drag queen, prostitute, drug addict, and American bodhisattva. He uh, was in San Francisco and established a hospice for people dying from AIDS. 
And in here, he describes a little of what it was like in those early days in San Francisco. So I want to read a little bit from there. And the temple in San Francisco was called Sokoji. There weren't really any rules about anything. You should have seen the people who arrived at Sokoji Temple. If any of us had, a, had arrived at any other practice place in the world, we wouldn't have been allowed in the front door. But Suzuki Roshi used to bow to us. So I sort of imagine people very scruffy, barefoot, long hair, fairly smelly, <laughs> not showering very much, smoking, cannabis and I don't know if people smoke tobacco that much but anyway they would have been fragrant very fragrant going into this sender the gentle daily and very personal inspection by a Zen master had its effect often making students notice their own deportment more carefully he speaks of his friend Tommy Tommy himself rounded a big corner in grooming. And this is Tommy's recollection. I remember riding a bus to Sokoji. Later we figured out how to do Zazen on a bus. And I had my feet crossed, my bare feet. I looked at my feet and I thought, my God, am I sitting in the zendo with these filthy feet? It never occurred to me before. So that's when I bought a pair of straw sandals. I didn't have shoes because I just walked barefoot. In some other part of here, uh, I remember when I was reading this, Suzuki Roshi would position himself so that when people left after Zazen, they kind of needed to go past him and he would make eye contact and bow to them as they were leaving and would maybe ask, ask them how they were. And uh, Isan says, you know, the effect of that respect that he showed and care that he showed to every person who came into the zendo and that he didn't criticise or judge anything about them really endeared people to him and made them curious about this, this man, this little quiet man who was there at 5am every morning for Zazen. So it seems just like a beautiful example of he didn't try to make something happen. He just fully embodied the teachings and himself as his own personality and people were very moved and affected by that. Suzuki Roshi emphasized that this practice, Zazen, was the ultimate goal of Zen. There wasn't another enlightenment to attain. He didn't completely dismiss the notion of Satori or Nirvana, or maybe what you could, we would more often say enlightenment or awakening. So popular with the beats and with the hippies after them, but he taught that they were already present in the simple sitting practice. 
Zazen, he stressed in lecture after lecture, was not a means to enlightenment, but rather the fullest and most complete expression of enlightenment. Like it or not. I think it's interesting he's written, like it or not. <laughs> Maybe that's because we want it to be more kind of spectacular. So he, he was only in the West for 12 years, not very long. Let's read a little bit from Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, just from the preface. Suzuki Roshi was with us in America only 12 years, but they were enough. Through the work of this small, quiet man, there is now a thriving Soto Zen organization on our continent. His life represented the Soto way so perfectly that the man and the way were merged. His non-ego attitude left us no eccentricities to embroider upon. Though he made no waves and left no traces as a personality in the worldly sense, the impress of his footsteps in the invisible world of history leads straight on. His monuments are the first Soto Zen monastery in the West, the Zen Mountain Center Tassahara, its city adjunct, the city, the Zen Center in San Francisco, and for the public at large, this book. Leaving nothing to chance, he prepared his students for their most difficult moment, when his palpable presence would vanish into the void. And this is a quote from Suzuki Roshi. If when I die, the moment I'm dying, if I suffer, that is all right you know. That is suffering Buddha. No confusion in it. Maybe everyone will struggle because of the physical agony or the spiritual agony too, but that is all right. That is not a problem. We should be very grateful to have a limited body, like mine or like yours. If you had a limitless life, it would be a real problem for you. And um, this is a collection of his talks, edited collection of his talks. So this talk is called Nothing Special. I do not feel like speaking after Zazen. I feel the practice of Zazen is enough. But if I must say something, I think I would like to talk about how wonderful it is to practice Zazen. Our purpose is just to keep this practice forever. This practice started from beginningless time and it will continue into an endless future. Strictly speaking, for a human being, there is no other practice than this practice. There is no other way of life than this way of life. Zen practice is the direct expression of our true nature. If you continue this simple practice every day, you will obtain a wonderful power. Before you attain it, it is something wonderful, 
but after you attain it, it is nothing special. It is just you yourself, nothing special. As the Chinese poem says, I went and I returned. It was nothing special. <laughs> I really like that. I went and I returned. It was nothing special. It is a kind of mystery that for people who have no experience of enlightenment, enlightenment is something wonderful. But if they attain, attain it, it is nothing. But yet it is not nothing. Do you understand? For a mother with children, having children is nothing special. That is Zazen. So if you continue this practice, more and more you will acquire something. Nothing special, but nevertheless, something. You will acquire something, nothing special, but nevertheless, something. So we're very fortunate to be able to sit like this. I feel very grateful that you're all here because this is what makes it happen. By turning up, we can have Zazenkai. So for however long you're sitting with us today, enjoy, enjoy your Zazen. Enjoy being yourself and enjoy your environment. Enjoy now. So I think we'll finish with the closing chant. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable, I vow to become it.